0: Bible tonight, we're going to turn for a little time to a very well known passage of scripture. It's at the beginning of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, chapter 12, and the first three verses. And um, we're going to talk about a particular subject tonight that comes under a, a, a four week uh, series that we're just going to have in this early part of, uh, of, the, of the summer weeks. You know, we've been very, very deliberate, very, very prayerful, very, very intentional about the ministry in Arena Mansfield over the last number of months. I was saying to somebody just this week, for me, it's been fascinating. Christian, and by the way, Christian and Caroline and the family are on holiday, been on holiday this week and on holiday today, and we trust they've had a refreshing time. Um, Christian makes the point about laying brick upon brick, line upon line, and it really has been fascinating because I really believe God's been doing it, friends. God's been laying something into us. God's been laying a new journey into our lives. So we've, we've talked about God raising the bar in our lives. We've talked about what we want to have as the occupancy of the house. We've talked about what defines Arena Mansfield in terms of its DNA. We've talked about these things. And the great thing for me is I really believe folks have been absorbing that, taking it on board and beginning to live it out increasingly in their lives. And over the next three or four weeks, and we've got a speaker from Australia with us at the end of the month, and it'll be in the diary sheet, Bob Stevenson. And Bob's a great veteran speaker, and if you've never heard him, then I encourage you to come right at the end of June and listen to Bob, because uh, it'll be a great night. And I can guarantee that you will have a laugh, because he is one of the most humorous men I have ever met. Just a natural, comedic touch to him, as well as being a great communicator of the Word, so don't miss that. But over these next three or four weeks, we're just going to talk particularly about that whole thought of the arena. Arena Church... Where did it come from? Well, like most great ideas, it came from just a simple suggestion. A number of years ago, when the rebuild was done in Ilkiston, Ilkiston Christian Centre, a Christian Christian Fellowship, um, people thought, well, what shall we call the building? Just to give it a neutral name that would help in terms of the building being open every day of the week, which it is, and uh, being a neutral name to folks that would come and use it for all sorts of different reasons. Somebody came up with the idea of the arena then in the repurposing of the church about three, three and a half years ago, when we brought together a group of people over a period of time, we've talked about that story, began to use the language of the next ten years. Where does God want us to go? Where does God want us to take this journey? Here comes a little bit out of that visionary journey. We thought, well, you know, is it Arena Christian Fellowship? Is it Arena Christian Church? Is it Arena Christian Church at the Arena? So we just came to the point of calling it Arena church interestingly we didn't call it arena church ilkiston we called it arena church because we knew there was more in us than that and so it's proved that there's more in us still friends than Ilkeston and mansfield you better believe it and uh, god's god's going to do amazing things i tell you what Idiot, i wouldn't be surprised over the next two or three years if we have arena church Accra, and god raises up somebody to lead a great work that helps with what's taking place in the hospital words and works ministering Together, but God's doing things, and as Julie reminded us at the end of the worship time, if we don't put any limit on God, then it's incredible what God can do for us. And so, the arena, and I'm going to come to that in a moment, and I'll read these three verses to help us to see where we're going tonight. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 Therefore, in the light of the Hebrews chapter 11, in the light of all that talk about faith, therefore. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance or patience the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The first aspect of arena tonight is that we're going to talk for a few moments about running the race. Running the race. The dictionary definition of arena is a sphere of action and even can be a scene of conflict, not conflict with each other, but conflict in terms of his, uh, confronting the powers of darkness that seek to inhibit everything that God wants to do. And I believe, friends, without sort of going over the top of all of that, that every community has to engage from the church's point of view in spiritual battle because there are powers at work that will always seek to inhibit what God wants to do in any community. And it's for the church to rise up and take its rightful authority because Jesus says, I will build my church And the gates of Hades will not be able to stand against it. We're talking tonight about a sphere of action. It speaks, friends, of gathering, of participation, of cheering, of endeavor. Arena speaks of battle and valor and courage and opposition. It speaks of victory and race and winning and honor. It speaks of sacrifice. And it speaks of all of these things in an amazing way way running the race let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us now there's a number of occasions in the new testament in 1 corinthians 6 in 2 timothy 2 and 2 timothy 4 where the writers use this illustration of the christian running the race and uh, it's a very powerful illustration most bible commentators believe that when the writers were writing about running the race. They weren't talking about a 100-meter sprint, but they were talking about a long-distance race. And this imagery of long-distance running would be familiar to New Testament believers because even before the ancient Olympics, there would be games like the Athenian Games and the Ithmian Games that used to take place that people would engage in, where lots of athletic pursuit took place, and people would go to the stadiums like they do today, And watch the great athletic events. And the writer took this imagery to apply it to being a Christian in the arena of life. Legend has it that in 490 BC, Philippides ran from Marathon in the southern parts of Greece to Athens to report to the king of a great victory that the armies had won. And when he told him, he promptly died. And it's where we get our marathon race from, 26 miles, 385 yards or as they say nowadays, 26.1 miles. It really irritates me that for some reason. But anyway, 26 miles, 385 yards is a marathon. It's a long way. I've heard people say, I'm going to run a marathon. When are you going to do it? Next week. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because there's training involved. There's preparation. It's oh. a long way. And there's lots of issues that we can learn out of the long-distance race that apply themselves to our Christian living. Now you might say, this is getting me really scared for because I have absolutely no aspiration to start running. Don't worry. I'm using it in an illustrative way. It may be that you used to enjoy running and those days are well behind you. But the reality is tonight that every one of us are called to run the race. If you have never become a believer, if this is your first time at Arena and we warmly, warmly welcome you, if you're on a journey to face then the only way to begin running the race is to get into it. And the way that we get into the race is to allow Jesus Christ to become our Lord and our Savior. The verses start by saying, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? Well, it's one of those verses that has several legitimate views, and we don't need to fall out about the differences. But here's two for you to think about. Someone says that the witnesses in verse 1 of chapter 12 are all the people that the Bible mentions in chapter 11. All the great heroes of faith. Interestingly, that word witness in the original language is the word martyrs from which we get our word martyr. People that have laid down their life at times literally for the faith. And then some people believe that it's not only the people of chapter 11 but it's all the Christians that have faithfully persevered and now gone to be with the Lord. Someone described it as the numberless multitude above of witnesses now surrounding us. We had uh, the joy in great sadness just last Wednesday to lay to rest one of our great folks in Arena Church, Linda Rossington. She's now... Not, friends, because I'm trying to come up with some nice words, but on the authority of God's word, she is now with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. She has joined the numberless multitude of witnesses that now look on and surround us. And Whatever our thought on that, here's what, I, what the, the Bible is talking about when it talks about the, the, the great cloud of witnesses, the thought here that the original text carries is of the crowd pressing in to cheer on those that run. I don't know whether some of you like watching the Tour de France, the cycling race, but if you've ever seen them climb up and 2D, some of you got 3D uh, telly. So you can really understand how steep those hills are, but they're literally like that. You know, they do that five or six times a day and uh, just incredible. Absolutely incredible. But I don't know where you've noticed that that when they're going up the the hills, the crowd press in on them, right in. They almost have to elbow people away and they just they ride all over the road, They, they wave their flags, they cheer, but they press in on the cyclists, the cloud of witnesses cheering the people on. And I want you to understand tonight, friends, that when you feel on your own at work as a Christian, you're not. When you feel that you're the only person in your place of study that's a Christian, you're not. Because not only are we cheering you on, but the great cloud of witnesses that has gone to be with the Lord look on and press in and say, you can do it. And you know, crowds make a difference. Those of you that watch sport have sometimes said, the crowd was worth a goal start. The crowd carried us along. The crowd were like the twelfth man my son-in-law Ryan is a, a really nice guy apart from one thing he supports Liverpool and uh, <laughs> it's been a real cross to carry um but we've managed to get there and we've got Liverpool supporters around here Christian's a Liverpool supporter I found out on the new national leadership team of Sam's we've got three Liverpool supporters and uh you know somebody says to me who do you support I Says Forrester looked at me weird I says I know they're not in the Premier League but some of us stick with our teams you know and uh, but anyway, where was I going? Oh, yeah. So Ryan has some friends at the Christian Centre in Nottingham who go to watch Liverpool on a regular basis. And uh, this guy couldn't use his season ticket, so his dad says, Ryan, do you want to go? So Ryan went to this European game just a few months ago, and uh, the, the game was okay, but Ryan just talked about the crowd. He says, when they began to sing, you'll never walk alone, about five minutes before the team came out, whoa, there on the back of your neck stood up, crowd, Some of you may remember that Eric won some tickets to go to the Champions League final a few years years ago. When he came back, he didn't talk about the match, he talked about the crowds. He talked about these Bayern Munich fans going, whoa, whoa. (laughs) They could have sang the song tonight, couldn't they? Whoa. And he says it was incredible all across. See, the crowd makes a difference. And in the arena of life, in the arena of church, in the arena, in the scene of the battle, in our lives, friends, there's a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. they say, go on, son, you can do it. Go on, gal, you're a winner. They're urging us on to be all that God has intended us to be. And in the light of that, I want to encourage us tonight to come afresh, whether we've been Christians a few weeks many years or whether we still come into faith to determine afresh that we're going to run the race that God has marked out with us with perseverance. Hebrews in the New Testament was written for a number of reasons. It was written to show the superiority of Jesus' sacrifice against anything that took place in the Old Testament. It superseded all of that. And what took place in the Old Testament was foreshadowing what was fulfilled in Jesus' But one of the other major reasons that Hebrews was written is, as the title suggests, it was written to Jewish Christians at the time. And Jewish Christians that were literally, literally at times, in the arena. Some of you are watching all that gladiatorial stuff. My claim to fame of watching Gladiators, I fell to sleep two-thirds of the way through, never saw the end. Still not got round to it. number of films I fall asleep in, it's just amazing. But anyway... All that stuff literally in the arena, literally battling for their lives. And the thing, the challenge to these people was as they came under opposition simply for claiming that Jesus Christ was Lord of their life, there was a temptation to say, Whoa, we'll take a few steps back. We'll retreat into what we've known before, which was religion. And the writer again and again in the Hebrews. Urges the believers not to retreat but to continually advance and to run the race that God has marked out for them. Now, I try and root myself in real worlds, and I realize that around this congregation tonight, things that can come against us that would at times seek to tempt us to say, Tell you what we'll, we'll just take a few steps back. Sometimes you can get even people saying, What are you getting so worked up about your Christian faith for? Just calm down, you know, just take. But God's not saying that. God's all about advancement. God's all about moving forward. God's all about taking ground. God's all about you being all that he's called you to be. And brothers and sisters, at Arena Mansfield tonight, God is not calling us to retreat, to step back, but to move forward in all that he's got for us. Let's run the race with perseverance that's been marked out for us. How are we going to do that? Well, three brief, brief things. Number one, we're going to do it by discarding all that hinders. Verse 1 says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, can you remember when you used to the cross-country running at school? It was always freezing cold. It was always raining. It was always snowing. And I know you made sure that you you got your mum to write your notes saying you weren't very well so you didn't have to do it. Or you hid behind the bike sheds having a fag until everybody else had come back and then you made out that you'd ran the race. Yeah, I know. But the reality is, friends, that very often you'd be down to your your vest and and your shorts and you'd be running in this freezing cold weather because the PE teacher had told you it was a good way to get fit. Yeah, right. But the fact of the matter is that if you watch the great athletes, and next year, 2012, we've got the Olympics coming to our great capital city, those of them that are running the long-distance races as well as the sprints literally strip down to their vest and shorts so that they are unimpeded in running the race. Here's how we try and run the Christian race sometimes. I brought me back. Brought me back. It's all right, there's not a rabbit in it. All right, okay. We sort of... We put this on and And we put these on. And also forget that for a minute. The people that really want to run the race are down to the best in shorts. They're not going Son, you've got a hat. You need to throw off the fence. Somebody upset you a few years ago. Get over in my socks no, okay. Okay. now then Julie it's good that you should mention that modesty forbids me to go to shorts and shirt but, but you, you get the idea you get the idea you get the idea God's called us to run free, yes, amen. and lots of us are togged up with all that, and wondering why sometimes the Christian faith is hard work. And friends, the Bible says that we are we are we're to take responsibility, intentional responsibility, through the power of Jesus in us, to fix our eyes on Him, but to throw off everything that hinders. Whatever's hindering you, you're to throw it off in the name of Jesus and run free. We're also to deal with the sin that so easily entangles us. Now it becomes a shock for new Christians to realize that when they become Christians, just thought, oh, "God, just bring me here. <laughs> There's not a lot of it left, you know. It's a shock for Christians that they become Christians, they've asked Jesus to forgive them all their sin, they realize they can still do wrong. That's fantastic, because before you became a Christian, you wouldn't have worried about it. But now you're worried about how you talk. Now you're worried about how you react. When I say worried, you're challenged, you're convicted. It's a sign that new life's beginning in you. And friends, we are on a journey to continually die daily to the old life that we might live for Jesus. Firstly, we're to discard everything that hinders. Throw it off in Jesus' name. Throw it off. You know, sometimes people, friends, have made, the the enemy's got an amazing ability to make big things of little issues. Most churches, friends, never divide on things that are really worth dividing about. They divide on triviality. Most people disagree with other people on points of doctrine, not big points of doctrine, but little things that don't really matter. And the enemy makes it a lot bigger than what it's meant to be. To throw all this stuff off. If you've suffered from rejection in the past, God says tonight in Jesus' name, throw it off because he doesn't reject you. He draws you right into his bosom and says, I love you with a passion. Secondly, friends, there is to be a dedicating to the completing of the course. Because he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We're to get into the race by becoming a Christian, but that is just the start. God wants us then to commit ourselves to completing the course that he has set out for us. That's why he uses that phrase there in verse 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it tonight again. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy of our souls is I don't believe at times to get us to do horrible sins. It's simply to get us to stop. And you may have had the whispers in your ear at times saying, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. What's the point of you getting all excited about becoming a Christian? It's not worth you being committed to Arena Mansfield. Just just calm down. Just draw back. Just stop. Just enjoy yourself. Before you know it, friends, you've stopped committing to running the race. Those of you that have done any reading about long-distance running will know that however good the athlete or however poor what happens at around 18, 20 miles of this long-distance race is that people hit what they call the wall. Not literally, but in terms of, physio- in, in terms of their physicality, they hit the wall. So all that, car- all that carbohydrate loading through eating loads of pasta in the days prior to the race, by that time is depleted. And you, you just simply then are on, are on raw commitment to completing the race. Here's the truth. We don't want it to happen, but there are occasions as Christians where we hit the wall. What causes it? Well, disappointment could cause it in the wall. An unexpected crisis that we weren't uh, uh, prepared for can cause us to hit the wall. Here's one sometimes that I've heard many times. If that's Christians for you, that can hit the wall. And the athletes, friends, whether they be trained athletes to run the marathon in ridiculously low times, or whether it's somebody that's I'm going to get to the end because I'm running for my mate's charitable concern, whatever it is, they run with perseverance the race that's marked out for them. There are times, friends, when by God's grace, not gritting your teeth, not self-effort, but by his grace, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, that by his grace, you need to press through, to complete the course that Jesus has mapped out for you because Jesus was the author and finisher of our faith. He's a finisher and he wants us to be a finisher as well. I don't ham this up at all tonight. I don't exaggerate. There have been times in my life where the has used situations, circumstances, people, accusations, vocal attacks, whatever you want to cause it, simply to bring me to a place of stopping. And I have refused, friends, even sometimes it's always been incredibly difficult, to stop. I'm determining that by God's grace, I'm going to continue to run the course that he has mapped out for my life. And if you'll do the same, God will do amazing things in you, far more than you could ask or think. Way beyond your expectation, God can take hold of your life and use you. Amazingly, God can take us. i watching tonight that little eight-year-old boy all those years ago and make him a worship leader that touches hundreds of thousands. God can take you and use you in an amazing way if you don't give in and stop but run the race that God's called you to run. We do that by resting in his grace. We do it by receiving daily renewal. We do it by resisting the enemy. We do it by realizing God's got a purpose for us. Here's a little poem I came across some time ago. It's called Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the roads you've been trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out don't give up though the pace seems slow you may succeed with another blow success is failure turned inside out the silver tint of the clouds of doubt and you never can tell how close you are it may be near when it seems so far so stick to the fight when your hardest is hit it's when things seem worse that you must not quit friends my passion tonight is we're not going to be quitters in arena church going To press through this, we're going to see what God's going to do in this community of believers for His glory and for His praise. Running the race means a discarding of all that hinders, it means a dedicating to completing the course. And I finish by reminding us that it means a determining to keep focused. Verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, in other words, friends, let us focus on Jesus. A definition of focus. Is the point at which an object must be for the lens to give clear vision. Please, I'm not calling Jesus an object, but you get the term. In other words, Jesus must be in such focus in our lives, friends, so positioned that we have a clear image of him. So many people keep Jesus at a distance. He's blurred. It's just that silhouette figure in the distance. No, you need to bring Jesus right into the focus of your faith life, so that you've got a clear vision of who He is, and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You need to. The, uh, verse three says that we're to consider again and again all that He's done for us, so that we don't go grow weary or lose heart. Where's Jesus, friends, in your vision tonight? Is he someone that you occasionally turn to when you feel like it? Or is he someone that fills the vision of your life? We sing a great worship song that says, Be thou my vision, O Lord my God. The old song says, Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Determining to keep Jesus focused. Friends, it's amazing that when we keep our eyes on Jesus, how many other things take their place? i conclude by reminding us as i said earlier that next year 2012 is the olympic games in london track and field will be the central component of those games with many other competitions of course and there'll only be so many people that can win olympic gold <clears throat> one or two of those people seem a bit nailed on already one or two of the great athletes of the world and uh, the reality is, friends, that the Bible defines a winner different to what our Olympics would do. The Olympics would define the winner as the first person to press the tape. But the Bible says that the winner is simply the people that finish the course. There have been people around the life of our church that have ran marathons, half marathons for charity. My youngest brother, Simon's, Ran two or three half marathons at Nottingham on occasions. And he proudly shows his little sort of, you know, little bit like AD certificate tonight. You did it. You, you, you did it. Nobody can take that away from me. And uh, he was never going to be the winner of the race because people that were uh, had trained longer, harder, faster were going to be the race. But the reality was that he completed the course and that meant a lot to him. How much more so in terms of, The Christian faith we've got young people in this room tonight 18 19 20 21 years of age and I want you to think of this illustration going forward I want you to look down time as God permits and see that God's got an amazing journey in front of you sometimes you're going to hit the wall sometimes you're going to get knocked back sometimes you're going to feel somebody's going to try and stop you but you'll look down that race and say God whatever comes my way I'm going to complete what you have set out for me in my life Some of us are a bit further down the race, but I want to say tonight, whatever your age, there's still more for you. You may be in your retirement years, you may not have the energy that you had physically in the past, but God's still got things for you. And here's the truth, friends. God wants every one of us to finish well. He wants us to finish well. And if you'll commit to the Lord tonight, he'll help you to do just that Paul writing to Timothy his son in the faith in 2 Timothy 4 says these words I finished the race this is an old man near his death I finished the race kept the faith henceforth there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me the arena arena Mansfield, the sphere of life sometimes the scene of the conflict the place where there's encouragement the place where where God is working, the place where we're moving out uh, in participation, the place of valor and courage, the place of winning and honor and sacrifice. Yes, there'll be times when things come against us and stop us, but tonight, brothers and sisters, let's discard all that hinders. Let's deal with it. Let's push it aside. Let's not hang on to it because somehow it makes us feel good. Unforgiveness is one of the big ones on that. It makes us feel good not to forgive somebody, but let's let it go tonight. Because the Bible says that if you don't forgive somebody, it's going to give God a problem forgiving you. You read it in Matthew 6. Let it go tonight. Forgiveness, friends, is not you condoning somebody doing bad to you. I don't want to go on that one now, but it really isn't. It's not saying that whatever happened to you was okay. It wasn't. But God has called us to forgive. Let's let it go tonight. Let's let that offense go. Let's let that past bad experience go. Let's let that fear go. Let's let that insecurity go tonight. Discarding all that hinders. Let's dedicate ourselves afresh to completing the course. Whatever that means. And let's determine to keep Jesus in focus. Brothers and sisters, if we'll do that, we'll be those people just like these people that run the race with perseverance, that fix our eyes on Jesus and that complete the course that he has mapped out for us. Let's pray.